Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 4th, 2016. I hope you're all enjoying your long weekend, the labored weekend, I guess, Labor Day weekend, as you labor to spread your wealth across the planet to help the big corporations. But that's the way it is, isn't it? But at least on Friday and Saturday, you had absolutely blue skies up here in Canada, or in Ontario where I'm living, because um, they like to do that once in a while. They're their own brakes as well, all these guys are repairing planes and servicing them and getting all the chem stuff into the fuselages to spray over us. So they have to have downtime once in a while too. So it's really nice to see that old, old-fashioned thing of really blue skies, isn't it? Amazing, wasn't it? And once in a while you'll see a real normal cloud. Once in a while only, mind you. But a real normal one. You know, the, the kind that, that's going the right direction. It's not got streaks all over the sky in different directions. It's going in the same direction as, as the wind is going. And it's nice and fluffy looking. And it doesn't have uh, all the other strange colours you get from uh, the ones who go around the sun, of course, from the, the, the chem sprays that they do which we're kind of used to. Those, those, those who look up, most folk don't look up at all now. It's great with the young ones. They don't look, they don't look up past their navel. That's where their, their phones are, you know. They're always staring at their phones, no matter if they're walking or whatever it is, they're staring at their phone. So it's perfect now. Once we're all dead, uh, they'll never know because they never look up, you see. When only look around you, isn't it amazing what goes on though, isn't it? You know, if you've got a memory at all, you'll think of articles that were written years ago when you were small or a teenager or something, and, and you see them all coming into fruition today of how they could occupy people's minds so that people wouldn't have minds of their own. And all they had to do was give them a gadget, basically, uh, and make sure it's an addictive type of gadget, and sure enough, it kills a lot of birds with one stone. They get all their their topics from it, all their indoctrination from it. They don't meet real people anymore, so they don't breed as much. Uh, they'll have maybe hundreds of friends, you know, these soccer friends all over, over the planet. They never meet any of them because they don't know if they're even real. But uh, it's all done through that little instrument in their hand there, you see. And... Um, and now, with all the studies that they keep doing, for a darn good reason to see if it's really working, they can't even look each other in the eyes anymore. They don't know how to react socially with people. So, with real people, that is. So, um, it's just a, they've killed a lot of birds with one stone, haven't they? If you can't meet real people, you can't sort of join up and, and, and meet or even get married in the old-fashioned ideas like that, you see? And uh, and all the topics you get are given to you. Even the ones that they're meant to have you fighting with each other and arguing about too are all given to you, all of them. That's the beauty of control. You see, all you have to do is to make sure that you put out all the topics. Then then you control the debate from the top. You see, you control the debate. You even give names to the topics and to the new things that are happening within the topics, and that way too you you, you control the debate. You see, you can't lose. The sciences are perfect, really, aren't they? Really perfect. And as they take down the first world countries, and they really are taking them down, folks, financially and so on. I mean, where I am in Ontario, you can't get a quack, you know, a doctor. You can't do it uh, up here. I mean, they spend $40 million in Ontario a year, dollars, telling you how great. This is propaganda. I read the article before uh, on telling the people how great the system is here. 
medical system is. But if you don't have a doctor, you're a nobody. I should, I really know. I, I mean, I'm at the bottom of the heap. Seriously, you're nobody. Meanwhile, you've got all these different NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are somehow given official status uh, that, that work with your government, that you don't vote for them either. And what do they do? They demand more billions off you every year to dish across the world as you die off here. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I'm not kidding about that. I've had first-hand experience of it. So that's really how it works, you see. All the things they could do, they won't do, because it costs a bit of money, you see. But they can dish money across the whole planet, you see, and, and advertise it as, as a wonderful thing. To me, you feel really good about it as you die off here, uh, dishing it out, you see, through your taxes. Uh, that's, that's part of the whole structure that was talked about when I was young, small, you see. What they would do with this international global system, step by step as they brought it in. I've gone through the whole history and all the other, well, lots of them, put this way, uh, talk show hosts have, have grabbed a hold of this stuff. Some folk have grabbed, put in their books and so on about the Overseas Economic Development Corporations and things. Things that were set up under the United Nations with all the different countries in the World War II. And, and the, the, the other branch they work with is the IMF. So they, they, get, they get the money off your government, which is your tax money. Uh, they decide who they're going to give it to to develop in whatever country. And it's generally a corporation, international, one of their buddies that sets up in a country for cheap labor. And, and we pay their wages and everything, and the building structures and everything else, even roads going in. And uh, that's what we do. And then, of course, when the country that, that, that is put down is the, the, to pay the debt off, the recipient uh, says they can't afford it, uh, then we are also the, the guarantors, the citizens of the different country that dished out in the first place. It's a big racket. It's beautiful. Thousands and thousands and thousands of, of uh, privileged, privileged families are living off of this awfully well. Awfully well, folks. They've learned the politically correct um, dictionary. Or by heart. That's all they spout out their mouths. Uh, and uh, so everything's perfectly safe with them. They can always go to the little tete-a-tete -tete parties and, uh, and stand up and chat with each other. Very polite chats, of course. And, uh, and see other correct things. They know what to say, you see. And, and that, that's how it, it's all working uh, at the top there with bureaucrats and civil servants and non-governmental workers and all the rest of it. As they take you down, and, and they said that too, that as the first world countries pay for the, for the other countries to come up in certain, certain standards and so on, the first world countries will go down. So it's already been decided, you see, that you and the first world countries um, will pay more and more and more for all of this development for big corporations and all the rest of it. And, and all the money that the, that's taken off of you in taxes will get dished out to them to give them better health care and stuff as you go down the tubes back home. That's what's happening here, of course. And all they have to do is not tell the public. And they know, too, the public don't have much of a memory. They'll forget it as soon as you give them a Kardashian or some rubbish to, to, to have them chatting away over, over trivia. You're never given peace to remember things for most folk. And believe you me, if you don't remember things, you're, you really are done for. And people really don't think too much. They're not given much time to think either, mind you, because the deluge of absolute psychological warfare made and directed news they get every day literally doesn't give them any real chance to think for themselves 
or even question things either. Like, why is China the manufacturer? Let's be honest here. It's the manufacturer of all goods for the planet. And I've gone through the history of that too. Same deal. We're still paying China as a third world country with OECD and so on development um, funding to bring up their hospitals or schools and so on. We're still paying it in Canada and you can't get into the darn hospital here if you're a person like me. You can't get a, a doctor like me. Like me. Huh. But we make sure that people in other countries can, can have access to all this stuff. Hmm? That's reality, folks. But don't worry, listen to the propaganda, the $40 million a year that they spend to tell you how wonderful it is, the system here. And as they know, uh, you know propaganda generally in marketing wins over any reality to do any product. <laughs> now let's go through just one of the articles to start with here on sustainable development, right? And here you have uh, Sustainable Development Goals, a vision for public education, meaning brainwashing to brainwash the public as to why they're going to get poorer in first world countries. And this is from the 15th of February 2016. It says, UN Sustainable Development Goals provide an important framework for public education. Well, do you vote for the UN to indoctrinate? You know you don't. But whatever they put out there at the top is immediately put through the educational system that you're in and, and then you're brainwashed with it for the children to think it's all quite normal. So it says, in 2015 September, the UN adopted a resolution that included 17 sustainable development goals focused on ending poverty. Well, where? Where? Where, folks? Fighting inequality and tackling climate change. Oh, there we go again. By 2030. Although not legally binding, governments are expected to create national frameworks to achieve them. Now, well, can we, if it's not legally binding, can we maybe refuse individually not to pay any money towards it? Let's see what happens then, eh? If it's not legally binding. If it's not legally binding, then why is someone going to force you to, to, to pay for something that somebody else's theory or racket or con? Hmm? It says, well, nearly every one of the goals is connected to education, you see, for indoctrination of your children. Uh, goal number four specifically targets it, ensuring inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. What rubbish is that? Hmm? Inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. Now, there's a little trick here that the big globalists have used through the communists, which they run two for years ago, and still do, actually, because they run all sides, you see. And back in the 40s and 50s, you'll find books, if you go digging for them, where they talk about lifelong education for everyone, right through adulthood too, to, to elderly, and then to when you're dying. And what they mean by total propaganda that will work at every phase of your life is they upgrade you, upgrade you, upgrade you with all the, the, the proper ideas of the agenda, the ongoing agenda. And you've been living through that your whole life long, if you haven't realized it by now. It says, to achieve the education goals, seven supporting targets have been included. Free and universal primary and secondary education. Well, that's communism again, because nothing is free in the system. Nothing's free. They ain't going to kick the banks out. They ain't going to kick out a monetary system, you see, and bring in some other substitute. It ain't going to happen. So that, that, forget that one there, folks. 
uh, access to early childhood development and care. Equal access to technical vocational training. Uh, post-secondary and adult education. What a racket that is. Absolute racket. There is a class system. You know, even I mean, don't forget that the top communists on the planet and people who have been communists now call themselves globalists are multi-millionaires and multi-billionaires, folks. They're not working class people. They never were at the top. Never. And um, they've had many books out in the past talking about their, their class system and how they meet each other, you see, because all go to the right schools with the same class, all meet each other, and they work with each other throughout their entire lives because they meet the right people they'll be working with in their proper classes, you see. And you don't get to these schools, and they're not going to change that either. They're not going to let Joe Blow at the bottom there mix with somebody near the top, the hereditary government workers, for instance, at the top. And they are hereditary, most of them. That's not going to happen. Access to early childhood development and care. <laughs> Develop. What do you mean childhood? De- what is childhood development? Hmm? That's indoctrination. You know, the pre-kindergarten stuff and all the rest of it to make sure that... And for oh, 20 years now, those little kindergarten places, I've had signs over them and outside, inside and so on. And you'll see it on television once in a blue moon when they show you a little clip on that, uh, how big global we are, big posters everywhere, global, global, you see. Equal access to technical vocational training and post-secondary and adult education. What a joke, as I say. Ain't going to happen. Remember what they've got, too, in all of the systems which they have put, brought forth, this one group has brought, including the Marxist system and the capitalist system and every other system, you see. Uh, and they own it all. To say, number one, they always have a class system for, their, for to make sure that the the division of labour is worked out by them. You see, because they always know and work out in advance for the next fifty years we'll need an X amount of labour, actual labouring people to do physical labour in a certain area. Then the other ones will work in service and all the rest of it, and yada yada. Then all the intellectual ones that will sit at the top and make all the plans for the ones at the bottom and get bigger money, you see? Things like that. So if you were getting all the same education, they then would have a problem with division of labor and so on, you see? Even in the Soviet system, they had their special schools for all their, their and for the bureaucrats' children. Everybody who worked at the top for the state, they had special schools for them. And then skills for decent work. Well, define what decent work is. From whose point of view is decent work? And equality in education. We mean equality of what in education? Literacy and numeracy skills. Education for sustainable development, again, there you go. And global citizenship, there you go. And there was total indoctrination propaganda. That's what it's all about, folks. And then it goes, get involved. You can join the Education We Want campaign, yada, yada, yada. Vote online for your top three priorities and then donate now and so on. So you see, as I say, everything out there, there's a mass. A ma- it's interesting on the internet to see the mass, the mass of websites and, and NGO organizations all working for this one big global system and getting massive funding from your tax money through your governments and the big foundations and so on uh, to to push all this ahead. You see? Isn't that amazing? 
and you go and vote thinking you still somebody's going to get in that's going to change it all for you. You know the one, the one is going to get in. Hmm? And then we have another article here. Um, <laughs> uh, again, which is all you know. Um, oh, Canada, I have to tell you, is at the top of the tree for political correctness and every. F- Way, shape, and form. They believe in the socialist kind of wag the finger at anybody that that has that says something that's politically incorrect or is not using the right terminology, or maybe they have an idea of their own. You see, that's really taboo. Uh, they, it doesn't matter how old they are; they wag the finger on 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 the CBC radio and or television. They wag them at you, you know, and call you nasty names for for having ideas or just speaking out about what you see, you know. Things like that. But I'll put an article up too. It goes into the same thing, you know, but global globalization, etc., etc., etc. The Green Fund and blah, blah, blah. An important tool for Quebec's sustainable development and all that stuff. The Green Fund. Everyone's green, green, green. But also, of course, all the big banks, the big green banks, they call them, are just uh, uh, basically subcontracted out. Or, or two, I should say, and owned by the big boys already exist. Same banks. And it says over the past decade, two liberal governments have implemented groundbreaking policies that present a coherent, integrated vision of an innovative and decarbonized society. Decarbonized society. And of course, Quebec, being an internationalist kind of place, and it is, they used to call it Bohemian. <laughs> so a lot of folk would move into that place from different parts of the world. Um, often communistic too, and they call it bohemian, you see. So they're, they're, anyway, they're way ahead with pushing all this stuff through, you see. And, and again, that, that's supposed to push the rest of the provinces to then go along with the same thing. I'll put that in for those who care about it, this article here, and you can read this incredible rah-rah-rah propaganda thing. It's just quite something. And also... Um, I'm going to put up another article called The Long-Term Free Haircut Plan for Savings and Sustainability. And it's about, uh, of course, um, the the money you can save by doing all the political correct things. That's what the whole article is about, really. And how much money they can save But when you ride your bike to work and all that. And no, there's no emissions there. You know, that's what they say, no emissions. Even though they don't, if you're riding it to work and you've got a fair bit to go, you'll sweat more, you see, and you'll need to be probably you need to eat more get calories, which takes you know chemical fertilizers and that from the big chemical industries to fertilize it, which from the GMO boys and all that too, and and you might get cancers faster eating all that stuff too, you see, and eating more of it, and so on and so on and so on. And then you're going about how they can save it, they can get rid of the second car that they've got. And save on, on gas and you know that's petrol in Britain and insurance and all that kind of stuff and oh it's a win-win sit being poor and going poor folks is a win situation if you're if you're pretty stinking rich to start with and then this one too again another PR thing they bring them on board and they're all getting paid for this rubbish you see. The world is not as bad as we think, says a Harvard psychologist. That's his job to tell us how wonderful it all is as we get poorer and sicker and all the rest of it. I'll put that one up too. They'll get paid for this. This brainwashing is everywhere you look. It really is. And then article, three ways Canada can update its approach to global development. 
No, see, it's all given, put out there as though this is a natural thing we're supposed to be doing. What is Canada? If, if, a, if a nation, I mean, they keep changing the definition of what a nation is. And if a nation is something that's kept together by the taxes and the work of the people who inhabit it, uh, so that they can go on living and, and living well, and so on, hopefully, or getting better and better, how can that happen if they start dishing money out to other countries to do it when they haven't reached the peak themselves? They never have. They never have across the board. It hasn't been done. Well, it's not meant to be done. It's, it's the rah-rah, happy, happy, happy myth that they've been pushing for an awful long time. This is on the heels of Canada's International Assistance Review, aimed at better responding better responding to the challenges and opportunities. Sometimes the grammar gets worse and worse. Of an increasingly connected world. How are, how are we connected? Hmm? A new report emphasised the need for a real Canadian development strategy, not just an update to foreign aid policy. And the UN Secretary General, this guy's been in the near forever, he banned Kaimun. And he directs the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, to see, etc., while Canadian Minister of International Development, Marie-Claude Bibot, and Canadian Minister of Foreign Affairs, Stéphane Dion, look on at the UN headquarters, New York. So this is the PR piece as well. This is, and he's, again, it's the Canadian International Development Platform. And this is articles written by the person that's been put in charge of it, I guess that's Anniket Bushan. And uh, it says, uh, which I lead launched its 2016 data report. You can download that for you for Canadian. Most Canadians don't really don't look at their own country at all, to be honest right now. I mean, they don't. So the report summarizes analysis based on trends and patterns in foreign assistance. That's money you give out to other countries, not foreigns, foreign nations giving assistance to you. International trade, foreign investment, why is why why is your tax money that is taken off you, um, and you're never given a reason as to why it's that much to start with, or, or where the money goes, and how many pockets it also goes into? Because there's a lot of work on on, that, on taxation, and 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 how that's going to benefit you. They're training you here. It's not normal that anything anything should really benefit you. You've had it too good for too long. You see, that's what they're telling you. So foreign investment and and migration and remittance flows between Canada and developing countries also highlights key opportunities we see for Canada. So so getting poorer in Canada for this big global plan, which you don't get to vote on and never have, run by agencies, private agencies, and, and, and little clubs now that are, that are the start-up and, and they get themselves some kind of almost a, a, a legitimate kind of um, name as though it's a, a platform, though it's, though it's quite natural, it's, it's like it's part of government. It's not part of government, all these different things, you know. These are all things tacked on and added on, you see. And agencies and private this and private that. Anyway, so it also highlights key opportunities we see in Canada. Canada is in a great position to provide principal leadership in the area of sustainable development and shared prosperity on the global stage. And then go through their analysis that the simplistic unidirectional paradigm of Canada doing development overseas rarely holds true. Instead, so what we find is that increasingly as countries move through stages of development, their overall net contribution to Canada becomes significant very quickly. 
then tell you, like, emerging economies like China, India, and Brazil, how long is this going to, this far is going to go on, like China, eh? And India and Brazil are emerging economies. They're still emerging, eh? And it says they're bigger investors in Canada now than Canadian capital is in these countries. Uh, so they've got more money in these terrible countries, supposedly, at these up-and-coming countries to invest in Canada and the banks here, I suppose, than we can in Canada because we're getting poor. Is that what they're saying here? Huh? A pattern that reversed in just a decade. The majority of foreign students come to Canadian universities from developing countries. That's because a lot of folk here in Canada can't afford to get in anymore. The amount they spend on tuition alone rivals all foreign aid Canada spends overseas. In fact, by the way, Canada also puts a lot of money towards their grants to help them get in as well. Imports into Canada from countries like Vietnam, Indonesia and the Philippines have grown so rapidly that in recent years these countries have contributed more by way of import tariffs, which we argue should be rationalised and reduced to Canadian revenue than all the aid Canada provides them. So is it, if it's a tit for tat, is that what they're saying? It's a tit for tat thing, we give it so much and we get so much back. Is that what they're saying? Do you understand how many agencies all have their hands out and live off the, the CEOs of these agencies, you know, the do-gooder types, uh, are living uh, like CEOs of massive international corporations. And then have all their staff beneath them. Then have all their volunteers at the bottom and do all the legwork. They're totally brainwashed that, that, that they don't really believe in it all. They get nothing out of it. Everything's a racket, isn't it? And then anyway, this is an open, mid-sized economy. That's what Canada's supposed to be. Canada's future prosperity depends on a safe, stable and prosperous global economy. So the whole idea of Canada surviving and prosperity is, is for a prosperous global economy, even though we don't work, make anything anymore, that works for all countries and all sections of society. Well, that'll be the, another utopia. Another utopias, right? How many folk have they slaughtered down through the centuries on the name of utopias? And it's always been a lie. We're living under the biggest crooked regime the planet's ever seen. This global system. Massive crooked regime. Massive. Yeah. And it's complete. It's everywhere. And everything. It's everything you think about. It's been given to you by them. Right down to articles they churn out in newspapers not to, to occupy your minds and have you chatting and arguing about yourselves. Then they go into the post-millennium development goals for, uh, in the world, now characterized by the universal sustainable development goals. Canada needs a real development strategy. And they give you three things that, again, suggestions. In other words, they're telling you what the big boys want. Uh, tailored strategies for different situations. And I put, I put this article up for you too to wade through, if you care at all. Most folk really don't care that much. They really don't. Remember, when I mentioned Canada's stuff, you're getting the same stuff in the U.S. with the same agencies. Then, of course, what they want really is a bigger budget. They always want bigger budgets, more money off of you, you see. More money off of you. And, and how it's going to help the world as you get poorer. As, you know, put some more money off of you. A new learning institution. The government should consider investing in a learning institution dedicated to studying the impact and efficacy of Canada's development strategy. That's the Overseas Economic Development Corporation. Again, private. It works with IMF, which puts all your citizens down 
as the guarantors for all the loans that your country is going to give to other countries, knowing darn well they'll never pay them off, and then you have to pay up, you see, as tacked on your taxes. Our work shows the key information gaps and blind spots in the area of foreign direct investment data and impact of remittances remain, so on, so on, so on. So I'll put this up and let you see. Again, these are just a few of the things that make a lot of money uh, off of you and help shape your mind and have big says in educational programs and things. And they're very active and, and making sure that the, even kindergartens adopt their little policies. They have little nursery rhymes and everything for indoctrination. Lot, that's an old trick, that one, of course. Now another one, too, about electric cars and clean cars and clean diesel and clean this and clean that, you see. And uh, as I say, these things are, are pretty well useless unless you live in the, the big cities. It doesn't matter anyway, because once the, the, the Millennium Agenda 21 program is complete, you know, long before the end of the century, because it all has to be completed by the end of the century, the whole world global agenda, including how you're going to live, if you can live at all, or even if they'll allow you to, to live, in fact, because that's all part of it, or indefinitely for about who can breed and who will not, all has to be done this, this century. The Agenda 21 meant that. The agenda for the 21st century. The whole century, don't be put off by 21, 30 and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this goes through it all. And they said in, in their Agenda 21 that you'll eventually have no private vehicles anyway. You'll be lived in the cramped, overcrowded cities like good little indoctrinated citizens. And there's many ways to get you there, especially if they start banning cars in rural areas. Uh, where they, the electric ones won't, won't put up with it. They can't do the long, long distances. They can't, uh, they can't um, get through the snow the same way. Batteries get flat in very cold temperatures. And never mind the fact these electric ones too will need changes, changes of batteries every two or three years, and that's like buying a brand new engine, the cost-wise. So I'll put this one up too for you to peruse if you really care what's coming down the pike. Most folk really don't think it'll happen to them. It's interesting, it's the same technique, it's, it's the same psychology, isn't it, of war. Young guys get the, uh, you know, they're, they're after sex and stuff. That's this, this, this really drives them. Sex, sex, and the mating drive, you see. The mating program. It's, it's a death, you got to just do it, sort of thing. It's genetic. Keep their species going, that's what it's all about. And um, they're busy. And it's been hypersexualized. They've been hypersexualized, male and female, at school for an awful long time. So that they're, they're, they're doing all that kind of stuff even before they're, they're, they're really, a lot of them, before they're 12 years old. I've been reading articles recently about that. It's quite amazing what they've been pushing. And how it works on the, on the young is working awfully well on them. And, and uh, but what it does, you see, makes sure pretty well that no one really will stay with anybody for any length of time. And if that happens, then you won't bond with somebody and you won't have children. So it works awfully well. That's what they wanted, you see. You're easy to manage when, when there's only one of you. are all divided up into ones. You see, you live in your little cubicle and you, you stay at that little phone or whatever you stare at, you know, but you're all staring at something in your little cubicle and, and uh, foreign faces all over the planet come in and, and you don't know if they, they're even real, most of these folk. Etc. Etc. And that's your world, and you're easy to manage. Then, easy to manage. H.G. Wells talked about it. A small tribe is a family. When you get a bunch of folk in the same area, then they're small families. You'll have a lot in common. Then, then you're a bigger tribe. And when one they get attacked by government, it's something unfair. You all stand up together. And Wells said that when you're all split up into little ones, you see, 
there's no one to stand up for you when they come for you. It's already here. Quite suddenly. Now I'm going to put this article up here too, and this is about um, the U.S. must develop natural resource fund for future generations of coal workers, you see. Uh, so it's uh, um, again, uh, they know darn well they're going to bring you on for, again for the big monopoly. See, understand the world is run by everything you hear about uh, globalization. It's all run by monopolies, the monopoly men. You see, and they, to be a monopoly man, you must have certain things in common with other monopoly men. That's to start, and then you must also um, understand the whole technique of eliminating all competition. Many ways to do it, often through bribing, so on, so on. So governments will, will, will ban other, other corporations or companies from doing the same kind of business or getting supplies even from certain places. That's how they do it, you see. It says the U.S. must develop natural resource fund as energy sources diversify, meaning when you're forced not to use coal, which is cheap and easy to use and so on, and keeps you alive, folks. It's been awfully, it's proven it's worth to keep me alive for quite a few centuries, believe you me. And it says, uh, for future generations of coal workers, we move towards a greener economy. What do you mean greener economy? The coal industry is facing the impact. In the U.S. and around the world, coal production is down due primarily to competition from other sources of energy. Now, it's down because it's been legislated out of existence by your own governments on behalf of the monopoly men. Now, what is, what is this elite, for instance? And they'll try to tell you that it's a new elite that run it today, which is nonsense. Absolute rubbish, in fact. An awfully good thing to do is to go through, if you can, the histories of the genealogies of the big families that uh, had things in the past, and you'll find out through marriage and so on, names will change. Names will change through the men. Them, in fact, will keep the woman's name uh, as opposed to the men, etc., etc. There's many, many little tricks that can be done to, to hide families uh, down through the ages. But there's an article here from 2011, and it was from the Atlantic. I think it was called "The Rise of the New Global Elite," and it's awfully interesting. Although it's done in the usual yappy, yappy, gossipy type column uh, of entertainment, but inside it, you'll you'll find. Um, some good interesting little facts, basically, to do with um, big foundations. And actually say that, uh, they're comparing how they showed off the wealth in a previous generation at the top, and today, uh, although they, they cover a lot up too, they don't mention the fact that they, they run the same institutions and all the rest of it, 200 different names. But today, every rich person has to, they supposedly made it themselves, eh? The big joke. Um, every rich one has to have basically a big foundation of some kind. They're all into that. And plus, too, they're helping run the world. It's, it's called governance, you see. It's part of this governance terminology, helping run the world. And it's quite interesting to see how some of them are, at least their funds are are involved in running the world, as it says. And you don't vote for these folk either, remember. That's the whole point of what I'm saying. You don't vote for anything. You just don't, you know. And this article is lauding the fact that these guys and, and different people are involved in managing the world's affairs, basically. Unelected, naturally. And they've got different names for them. Again, they call them 
for instance, um, uh, you know, self-made people and so on, and and basically um, plutocrats and all that kind of stuff. How you how they really run the world, and and you don't, or the folk you like really don't. And and, and really, is true. <laughs> it really has been that way for an awful long time. They give you aristocracies and, as I say, plutocracies and the, di- the different types of systems that have run the world in days gone by. But as I, say, as I say here, now they must all have their own foundations, their own causes, supposedly. And they're all given causes by their various life managers and all that rubbish that they have today uh, who are in on the big act. Uh, and so they're managed as well, basically. The figureheads are, are, are managed as well. But... Uh, as the usual, rags to riches, riches nonsense, and I mean nonsense, uh, of how folk get up there. Believe you me, you don't get up there at all unless it's been agreed long, long before um, the public ever hear of a person. It's been agreed by the big boys who already own everything. They own the trap doors to allow you up or not. And if they allow you up, it's because they want you up there to, to fulfill a purpose or a role. You'll be well uh, rewarded, you know, you live like a king in today's uh, kind of income. But uh, it doesn't mean that you're the boss at all. Uh, that's how it really works. And then you will have your, uh, your foundation and you'll be told what it's all about and what you're supposed to be pushing on the world. That's how it works. So I'll put this link up tonight as well for those who want to peruse this article. It's well done, as I say. It's not my cup of tea. That's this kind of um, gossipy mainstream thing. Uh, It's rather standard in the way that it's written. And as you well know, too, the U.S. and China and articles have got up recently on the the G20 meeting, the other club that you don't elect, uh, it's made itself up. It supposedly, just made itself, and uh, and now helps run the world, of course, on behalf of the, the global masters. But and, and it's the guys who go there are not the masters. <laughs> we realise that too. But China and the US have ratified it, and I think Obama basically bypassed any congressional inputs and just passed all the the Paris Agreement into law and sustainability, and that's all the pollution and taxes and everything else is going to come out of it. This is China announced on Saturday that it has ratified the emissions cutting agreement reached last year in Paris, giving a big boost to efforts to bring the accord into effect by the end of the year. Now remember, China doesn't have to go along with all the different quotas and rates and, and 0% that you are, has been forced upon you of carbon dioxide and, and so on and so on and so on because they are still classed as a third-world emerging nation. <laughs> That's what they do under these free trade agreements. And um, and plus two, uh, Chris, I think is more multi-billionaires being created in China than anywhere else in the world, So, but they still call them a third-world country under the terms of the agreements. Uh, also, and one here too, is G20 countries score poorly in the climate goals reports. And that socialism, as I mentioned before, always wag the finger at you. They're always training you to be a, a child in school, no matter how old you are. Your whole life long, you're going to be a child in school as they update everything, and you better follow, follow in with it all and parrot what they tell you and, so, and, and do what they tell you to do. Like, so it's a teacher-student kind of approach to everything. They don't talk to you like a human being or an adult. No, you're all children as they push this guilt complex on you. For, for breathing and, and breathing out carbon dioxide. 
and uh, which again is one of the smallest trace gases in the atmosphere, and it's invisible as well. So, mm. uh, global greenhouse gas emissions of G20 countries are continuing to increase. It says a report from Climate Transparency, an open global consortium, <laughs> an open global consortium. It's a private business again, isn't it? Private has shown ahead of the 2016 G20 Hangzhou Summit to be held on September 4th, China, between 1990 and 2013, an absolute carbon dioxide emissions of G20 countries, which account for three-fourths of global CO2 emissions, went up by 56%, it says. Percentages can be used to to fool, and they have been used to fool people from the very beginning of the the term percentages. (laughs) It's all a big con, you see. It says funded by Climate Works Foundation, another foundation. Well, did you elect a foundation? Is it is it up and, on the up and up? Is it honest? No, 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 of course they're not. None of them are. They've all got goals to control you. And they've paid awfully well by your tax money as they funnel tax money from the government to them and the foundations. Great business it is too. The business of conning publics across the world is a great big business. Fantastic business. Then this article here. The G20 governments endorse trade, but tighten controls. But what a joke that is, tighten controls. Hmm? Remember, the whole free trade agreements from the very beginning of all the trade agreements are the elimination of borders because it's the free, it used to be the free movement of labor. Now it's just the free movement of people and populations across the world. So they changed it quietly, just like they hadn't had an actual book of uh, Animal Farm, George Orwell's Animal Farm, where the pigs, you know, the ruling plutocracy there, um, went up in the middle of the night and kept changing little words in the Constitution. <laughs> they do it all the time today too, don't they? And no one seems to notice. So if, we, yeah, if you've got the free movement of populations, then you have no, you have no borders anymore. That's, that's the whole thing. And as it's signed into law, uh, then the next president that comes along, or prime minister, they'll say, well, oh, well, I want to change it, but you know, I can't, it's been signed into law. Yada, yada, yada. And then the G20, again, the private club that, that they all got together and created without your consent, uh, G20 meeting to focus on open trade. Now, the G20 meeting, remember, it's just part of the private group. It used to be called a long, long, long time ago, the Lord Alfred Milner Group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private club, and its American branch, the Council on Foreign Relations, and they have branches all over the world in every country. It's a private club. They created the World Bank, the United Nations, they created the BIS, and everything else. So the G20 meeting is to focus on open trade. You see, what does open trade mean? And this is Canada and all the rest. It's really, to me, just uh, most stuff on Canada is nonsense because Canada is completely on board with with the elimination of a country called Canada down the road. Uh, And it has been for an awful long time. So is Australia, mind you, and New Zealand. That's the plan. IMF uh, urges forceful action from the G20 to push global growth. Well, again, it's like the fox demanding from the other foxes because... The IMF is just uh, is owned by the same bunch that creates and owns the G20. You see, the same it's the same same group, same private club. Because the Lord Alfred Milner Group was a private club. They created the, the same private club called Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations, the other branch, as I say, which is also a private club. Uh, but they own the IMF, the BIS, and other central banks and everyone else. 
Associated International Monetary Fund has called for the heads of the world's leading economies to take much stronger action on the global economy to avoid a low growth rut, fueling concerns over globalization, according to the briefing note. And ahead of next week's summit, which is on right now, the IMF says the world leaders have fallen far behind their 2014 goals to boost collective growth in the whole world, in other words, by two percentage points within five years. It warned it's slower than projected growth in the U.S. as well as the possible impact of Brexit, the British exit from the EU, which hasn't happened actually, might cause a further downgrade of its forecast for global activity this year. The IMF is due to revise its July prediction of 3.1% growth. It's what rubbish all these predictions say. So you're not allowed to be a nation anymore, and even you're definitely not allowed to be uh, the big taboo thing, which is self-sufficient. You have to be interdependent, meaning you can't survive on your own at all. That's the whole point of it. You're conquered, you see. You understand that you're conquered. And here they are telling you your function is to, it's all collectively, we're all collectively to, to be in this big race for production and all that. Does that stink of communism and materialistic production and all that kind of stuff, isn't that? Well, it should do, there's a lot in common with it, folks. You'll, you, if you'll do your homework, you'll know that. And then the International Monetary Fund urges the G20 leaders to boost demand and so on. Same article again. You're getting told by private organ- a private organization how to run your country. And in this one here, U.S. and China are praised for ratifying the Paris climate deal. Again, the same thing again. So the, the, the Paris Agreement, which was drawn up in December, is now closer to being adopted. It needs 55 countries to ratify the deal to cut emissions for it to come into force. Well, why not just toss it out the window, folks? And then we've got enough to deal with right now, don't we? Don't we really have enough a lot to deal with? But uh, but they won't give you any peace. You understand, the, the elite have been driving us into wars and giving us real wars and financial depressions uh, for a couple of centuries, really. The, the, no generations had any peace because of the private group that moves behind the scenes owning everything and owning the nations. Now they own them pretty well, all through all their agreements, as they call it. And financially, they definitely own them all, because it's the same bunch that own all, all their banks <laughs> and give out their loans. It's a beautiful arrangement, though, isn't it? Uh, the Organization for Economic Development set up at the end of World War II in all NATO countries and all the participating countries in the, the United Nations, where the so-called first world countries have to fund through the private club again of the IMF. You have to fund the IMF to borrow money from your nation, your country, which they then loan out to the corporations in third world countries to set up corporations and get cheap labor in third world countries. And knowing darn well that um, these countries will never, can never pay them back. But they've got you down, the populations of those countries, who loaned the money out in the first place to, to end up uh, paying off, because you're guarantor, you see. So you're going to pay off uh, the debts of all these countries. And once you've done that, then they give another loan to the same countries. Have you noticed that? What a racket. All private clubs, all private groups and private clubs. But they sound awfully official. But they're just private. They're privately owned. For those who don't quite know that. (laughs) 
it's quite comical, really, when you read some of these articles. Because it, here's an article, the same article, that same page, in a way. But it goes on to say that um, the earlier that Paris is ratified, meaning the treaty, and implemented in full, the more secure that future will become. For, well, for who? For this with jobs for the boys at the top, you know. And it, here's a bit, it says, Mohammed Adou, which is a, he's the senior climate advisor for Christian Aid, <laughs> said this marks the moment uh, the two biggest economies throw their weight behind the Paris Agreement, the U.S. and China. And then it goes on again, we need other countries to join and ratify as soon as possible. And Wednesday there'll be a debate in the House of Commons in which the UK, UK government will have a chance to set out their timeline. Now, these are all private organizations, right? Then you have a, another thing from World Wildlife Fund, the private con game there in Britain. And then you got some... Which other ones here? Uh, Greenpeace, naturally, they're in everything. And uh, uh, the, remember, these are just, as far as I'm concerned, I'd, I'd give them no more credence. I'd give actually knitting clubs more credence because they're, at least they're functional and they actually do work for a good purpose, like keeping you warm. But these characters here all have uh, big fat wages uh, for socialite means a socialist world. And socialism is just a front to be ruled by the tyrants at the top, folks. And be perpetual children. Because you're not allowed to make your decisions for yourself. It's all made for you, you see. It's all a big con game. And, and most folk can't see that because they, they, they've been brainwashed, especially the youth, unfortunately, because they're, they're brainwashed. This is all quite normal. It exists in their time as they're growing up, and therefore it must be all be normal. It must be kind of green pieces like up there with some kind of religion or God or something. Uh, they've always heard the terms, you know, and, and they, make, they think they're official. Uh, it's just quite something. It's quite something indeed. And then we have this one. Or even go, sorry, I'll still go back to that one again. Even Oxfam's in again too, you know. All these big, supposed charitable organizations that are totalitarian collectively uh, are all on board with screwing you for every penny you make, the, you know, and so on, under, under a con game. And it's a con game. And all the big boys at the top know it's a con game. They know that. Then this one here, too. U.S. is the Asian pivots, a key in the G20 issue. So Barack Obama is much invested in the G20 summit in the Chinese city of Hangzhou. So is Malcolm Turnbull, who will endeavour to lead the push for a G20 crackdown on international corporate tax evasion. Now, that's never going to happen to big corporations, folks. So with China asserting itself strongly in the South China Sea, the US president, although he's only four months left in the White House, must use the meeting of leaders of the world's 20 largest economies to leave no doubt about Washington's ongoing commitment to our region. Tensions have arisen at a difficult time with both Hillary and Clinton and Donald Trump declaring their determination not to pursue the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is what should be an economic cornerstone of Washington's pivot to the region. Understand that all these organizations are all, really, they're all just arms of the same organization. You understand that? All the ones I'm mentioning are just arms of the same one organization. And the about Obama must uh, pledge, and to his credit and so on, he has done so much for it, but they must do the rest, yada, 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 yada. It's just monotonous. Repetition, repetition, repetition.
This is China, of course, which is hosting its first G20 Leaders Summit since the first such meeting in 2008, wants to stick to a largely economic agenda focused on trade, investment and sustainable development. This is leaders should recognize the, that inaction on tax avoidance is fueling disaffection amongst voters around the world. I wonder who votes. Uh, there's no, there's much to be done, it says Mr. Turnbull argues, to secure budget revenue, mean tax streams, and put an end to illicit finance flows. So the challenge is not only to strengthen international support for growth-generating economic reform, it's to make the compelling case that the benefits of that growth are for the many, not for the few. Oh, oh, oh here we go again with the usual nonsense. The, as they promise you a utopia. Yeah. A justice system that works and all that nonsense, eh? Really, I mean, you, how, how long do you live to, to, to get to get wind of what really is going on and how it works, etc.? And and really, you can get pretty despairing at times too when you see nothing changes. Really, the same one agenda continues, and it's getting faster and faster. In fact, as they conquer more and more by by their implementation of different stages of their system. You know, in the old days, they had to use more tricks and and be more subtle about the fact, oh, it just had to do with charity work across the seas, etc., and helping poor folk, and things that would terrify people too much. But they always had, it, had their goal set in stone, where they were going to go with all of this for their global governmental system, you see. Where even holding on to nations' names is just for a map reference, really, more than uh, a people's reference. And that's pretty well here already for a good many countries. Yeah, and now you have this strange international body of unelected people uh, telling you uh, to work harder and get more money, etc., through your taxes to other countries. So it's more multi-billionaires can be created, supposedly, in other countries. It's really, can you believe this? Why do you bother voting at all for the people you think you elect? Prime ministers and prime, why do you bother, eh? When you've got all these organizations apparently telling them what to do. <laughs> organizations that you don't, that are not elected. And you can't figure that much out, eh? And this one, too, has to do with... Uh, Corruption in the European Union, and I think that's global research, scandals in banking, fraud, and secretive TTIP negotiations. This is, uh, the EU has developed an internal single market through a standardized system of laws that apply in all member states. EU policies aim to ensure the free movement of people, goods, and services and capital, within the internal market, enact legislation and justice and home affairs and maintain common policies on trade and regional development. For the corruptest type of geopolitical arrangement, stillness, infancy operating across the borders of so many nation states on a single continent is a godsend. It provides an opportunity to harmonize, join them together and standardize practices in order to reduce risk and ensure even greater success of criminality paying off. It wasn't until February 2014 that the EU published its very first report on corruption and calculated that corruption was affecting all 28 nations within the bloc amounting to 120 billion euros. 
Cecilia Malmstrom, the EU Commissioner for Home Affairs, stated at the time member states have done a lot in recent years to fight corruption, but today's report shows that it's far from enough. Europe's problem is not so much with small bribes on the whole. Carol Dolan of Transparency International in Brussels told Reuters at the same time it's with the ties between the political class and industry. This is big bribes. There's been a failure to regulate uh, politicians' conflicts of interest in dealing with business, he said. This is the rewards for favouring companies in allocating contracts or making changes to legislation are positions in the private sector where they have left office rather than a bribe. How true as Dolan words were, but still, they were only scratching the surface of defeated reality. Two years later, in March 2016, the European Parliament published a larger independent study that revealed corruption was a hair's width away from €1 trillion. Euros. A trillion, eh? In an economy of uh, 14.3 trillion uh, euros, it confirmed that 14% of the entire GDP of the EU was bathing in corruption. But this study, unlike the previous one, practically absolved the government of involvement in corruption as it estimated just 5 billion euros was attached to it. This is the same Cecilia Malmstrom, now the European Commissioner for Trade and lead negotiator in the biggest trade deal in the history of humanity, is at the centre of an accord between the EU and the USA, where corruption is perceived by virtually all critical independent experts and commentators to be pandemic. Yeah, yeah the crooks are going to bring you a utopia, folks, for those who, you know, who want to believe in this. I could go on and on and on, but there's no point, is there really? Because that's where we live in, this utter corruption, and it's always really been that way. Even back in Disraeli's government too, a lot was written about the politicians of that time, how they're all taking massive bribes from the war industry, even in that day, and the big bankers that financed the armies, etc., or the governments for the armies and the wars. Uh, It's never changed. And as long as money is in private hands and the creation of it, you'll always have this incredible um, farce that we live in today called democracy. Because it suits them awfully well. Well, you're all responsible. You get to vote people in, you know. It's, you know. And if all goes wrong, you can vote somebody else in. And all that rubbish, you see. Meanwhile, as I've been showing you for the last few weeks, you've got thousands of organizations all belonging to one organization. But they all have different names, so they sound completely different and slight variations of... Uh, it's like having a thousand shades of the same colour, uh, all, all supposedly telling governments what to do, you know, and getting funded by our governments at the same time, along with big foundations, all privately owned. And folk vote thinking one person, the one, is going to get you out of it. Well, they won't get you out of it, and I'll tell you, they won't even try. That's why we're in the mess we're in, you see. It's just too easy to manage the public nowadays. Bread and circuses, and they give you lots of circuses. Well, from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.